You are listening to SALT's Teaching Social Justice Podcast. Good afternoon. My name is Steve Friedland, and we have another podcast for you on teaching social justice. And today we're going to actually venture outside of the law and talk to Professor Tasha Souza, who, uh, like I said, is in an undergraduate realm that's different than what we normally encounter in law. But I think it's good to venture from our own backyards periodically and to see what's happening elsewhere. So welcome, Professor Souza. It's nice to see you. Thank you. And have you here. And so if you would just tell us a bit about yourself, where you teach and what you teach, that would be great. Sure. I am currently at Boise State University and I largely do faculty development work. So I support faculty with their teaching, uh, especially in, around the issues of uh, DEI. So a lot of inclusive teaching. I run a certificate that does a lot of uh, programming. Uh, but I do teach in the communication department. That's my home discipline. And the courses that I most often teach um, are, well, the course that I most often teach is intercultural communication, but I also teach gender and communication and a consulting and training course as well. So in the law, of course, I think we are just a specialized version of communication. So this is perfect <laughs> because we are trying to teach our students how to communicate effectively. And of course, as law teachers, we want to communicate effectively. So when you're teaching communication, what are some of your goals when you do that? Um, I'm hoping that students find their voice and that they um, believe that their voice matters. I'm hoping that they feel empowered to use it in ways that are transformative for not just themselves, but for their communities and ultimately for our democracy. Um, and that they, they feel they can utilize their communication skills to make things better, whether that, that be their relationships, uh, their work environments, uh, but also their, their world. And uh, how many students do you have in a class and what kinds of things do you do in the classroom with them? Yeah, so I typically have around 35 students in my, my classes and I do a, um, because I'm going to be speaking about my intercultural uh, communication class right now, because I want them to um, not just reflect on communication and aspects of culture and learn about power and privilege and those kinds of things. I also want them to gain um, skills. I have all of my students partner with an intercultural dialogue partner. And so it's a service learning um, project where they're partnered with people who want English practice although that's not always the case. Some people just want cultural knowledge. They speak English fine. Um, and they meet throughout the semester and usually uh, not just to ask each other questions and learn about each other related to the content. There is some usually similar readings. I, I partner with another course, an ESL course. Um, but they also develop uh, more, I think, sensitivity to each other's differences and uh, acknowledgement of each other's similarities, and uh, oftentimes they even build relationships. So I've had students who are intercultural dialogue partners um, take road trips together and, and celebrate uh, different kind of cultural events with one another. So, um, and I've had students tell me that they started off, they usually tell me this afterwards, they don't tell me it before, but they started off quite hesitant about the, the experience. There's some rural Idahoan students who've never 
actually interacted at length with someone who was quite different from themselves. And uh, they ended up becoming friends with their partner and it was really transformative for them. And so that to me is um, a real rewarding part of the course is that I give them the opportunity to not just learn a lot of the knowledge, but um, to actually implement that and to develop their own skills and uh, ability to uh, interact with others effectively and engage in relationships. So we've already started down the main road that we wanted to uh, travel today, which is how to infuse education with social justice, because that's, of course, a core part of the mission of SALT, uh, social justice. So how do you do that? And perhaps I can have you focus first on equity and or inclusion. Yeah, so in terms of inclusion, I make sure that um, we co-construct group agreements together so that students uh, know that we're all, we all have similar expectations of the ways in which we interact in the space and that we're going to be unapologetic learners in that space, but also respect the humanity of others, despite uh, people's differing opinions or knowledge about people who are different from themselves. And so we do a lot of discussion-based um, and activity-based learning. And, um, and I think that that builds trust. And so over time, we talk about um, more difficult things, you know, privilege and power and, um, and uh, all the interlocking systems of oppression. I usually have to tell them the first week of school that this is not a class on uh, learning how to talk when you do your study abroad in China, right? It's, that's not what this is about, uh, that you're actually going to be doing some uh, self-interrogation, mm. um, understanding of identity. Uh, you're going to be experiencing emotions that are going to be somewhat challenging because it's going to feel you're going to feel decentered or recentered, um, and so sometimes those emotions can also be affirming, and that um, they should let their family and loved ones know that they're taking this course that's going to be transformative for them. Um, and so I set set it up so that they know it's not just about book learning; that it actually is going to be um, hopefully lifelong learning that takes place, and ultimately with the goal of um, have having them feel empowered to uh, create a more just world. Um, so I have to be a bit careful about how explicit I am with that in my current context. Um, but it does evolve to where students are more comfortable with that. And a lot of it is related to utilizing their own voice, but understanding the voice of other people and, um, and recognizing why people might, why one's positionality might cause them to look at the same situation in very, very different ways or communicate in very different ways or understand the world in very different ways. Um, I also do, uh, you've heard me talk a little bit before about microaggressions and microresistance. And so I was going to get to that. Yeah. Oh, I will, I will <laughs> no, pause right there. If that's enough with that, with that question. No, this is great because my next question is about microaggressions and how you deal with those and how we can as teachers deal with those. Yeah, so I teach them different ways to micro-resist when faced with microaggressions and how to respond when they themselves commit them. So they uh, learn communication frameworks that, um, that I expect them to utilize in class. I model them uh, as well. And um, they also learn about um, how to call each other in and how to, and that's part of the group agreements, uh, how to share how they might be responding to um, people's maybe word choice or their perspectives so that people can come from a place of curiosity 
and um, seek understanding versus just judging one another or shutting them down or shutting themselves down. Um, and, um, and then other ways to micro-assess in, in addition to uh, communication frameworks, so micro-affirmation, so affirming other people, building their social networks, um, you know, building up their own strength. And I also talk about all the things that needs to be considered when um, faced with microaggressions. Um, and so that they have a more complex understanding of the cognitive load that comes with, um, with being the target of, of them and that that is not evenly distributed. And so they can have more uh, empathy and motivation to um, do better in the future because we all, we've all committed microaggressions. And, and so I make sure to, to not, you know, just say that there's certain people who do and certain people don't, but there, there are people who are targeted more than others. And, and that targeting is not just painful, but it impacts uh, performance and one's ability to thrive. So um, hopefully it's motivating. And I have seen, I get emails from students periodically that says, just want to let you know that that tool that you taught me, OTFB, I've been utilizing it in, the, in my new workplace and it's totally made a difference. And so I always tell them, feel free to email me down the road <laughs> with how these tools are working for you. And, and they do. And that's really rewarding to hear that. So this sounds great. Are there any tools that you can recommend to law teachers to use in the classroom? Any kinds of uh, techniques or, or tools that you've had that you think are applicable in other environments? Well, I, I think they're all applicable in other environments. Um, you know, I think that, um, I, mean, I don't think they're disciplinary specific. In fact, my co-authors on a lot of this work are, one's a, um, he's American studies professor and poet and the other is a sociologist. So we come from places, but, um, and that's Floyd Chang and Cynthia Gano to, to do a little call out there. Um, you know, so I think that anyone can utilize the communication frameworks. And I think they're especially important for faculty to utilize in the moment when a student says something that is um, uninformed and therefore um, problematic or offensive, or they intentionally say something that's offensive. Um, they know it is, you know, I think no matter what, when we respond in a way that uh, doesn't address it or we are silent about it, it suggests complicity and that could cause other students to shut down and not feel like they have, um, you know, a voice in that class. So can you give You're me just, a technique now, how I, how I would deal with yes. it? So like one is, is called open the front door and it's, um, it's state the OTFB is an acronym for that mnemonic, but it also is an acronym for the four steps. So you basically state, uh, you know, I observe that you're using the term feminazi. Uh, the next step is your thoughts about it. You know, I think you're unaware of how that phrase uh, might be um, uh, troublesome to many of us in the room. And then you state your, your feelings. So the OTF, I feel uncomfortable with that phrase or that term. And then the D is desire. So I'd like to talk about uh, this more about what you mean by that term. And then we're going to explore the reasons why it's, it's so troubling. You know, so uh, there's another framework called action where it's a little bit more inquiry based. So Let me just go over this one again before you go on yeah, to the yeah. other one. What, what was open the front door one more time for those people listening? What does it stand yeah. for again? So it stands for the four steps in the communication uh, framework, which is observe, think, feel, and desire. And um, I have a number of things out there that people can look up if they want more information about it. But basically, it's a way to make your communication transparent and the values 
beneath it are really compassion and growth. So you're really, you're not trying to call out a person so that they shut down. We never want to do that with our students, although on occasion it may be necessary. But um, it's really about helping them, you know, coming from a place of compassion and curiosity with them, but also helping them understand um, why what they said or did might be troublesome or problematic. Um, and the action framework is a very similar framework, but asks more questions to get at what they might have meant by something that they did or said, as well as helping them understand the impact of their words. So you ask questions such as, how do you think people who identify as feminists in the room might be feeling about your use of, you know, equating feminists with, with Nazis, you know, that, those kinds of questions. So the second one you just mentioned is a little different than the first. This is called the action framework. Yeah. And involves, you're saying, asking questions of yeah. the students who are speaking. It's an acronym too. So um, it's, it's, you know, you start off with asking questions. That's the A. And then, um, and then you come from a place of inquiry uh, and truly trying to, to listen. So that's a, the C is curiosity. Um, and then the T is tell them. So that's similar to the thought step in OTFD. So you tell them what you, um, what you heard. So you're basically paraphrasing back once they've responded to the questions about what they meant. And then um, the I is uh, impact exploration. And that is what I think is the most important part of this particular framework. And that's where you ask them to try to take a third person perspective. Like how would this person feel hearing that? Or have you ever been called a name that what didn't, um, that stereotyped you in a way that didn't um, capture the complexity of who you are? How did that make you feel? And then you kind of transfer it to this other situation. Um, and I have examples of these. And then the, um, um, the O is basically owning your own thoughts and feelings as the speaker. So this is how I feel when I hear that phrase. And then the, the N is next steps, which is basically the D step for OTFD. So what, what can we do next? This is what I'd like you to try next, whatever it might be. So they're very similar, just use different, different words for the acronyms. And one has more interaction. I think that's both of them seem great. And I think a lot of teachers, including myself, am glad to hear this and have this reinforced as to what's a good way to deal with these kinds of situations that may arise, especially uh, today in our uh, polarized environment. So any other thoughts about what can be done in teaching social justice? Uh, well, I want to go back to the previous question if I can, and that is just that I noticed that SALT is doing these podcasts about teaching social justice in, um, in, in the classroom, and I think it's amazing that you're really taking the time to explore these issues, and I feel really grateful for you all doing this work, and I'd like um, to learn more about it. Okay, so you may have noticed what I just did with an OTFD, maybe you didn't, but um, one thing to do when you're utilizing these communication frameworks is to really practice, and you can practice in the form of compliments. And uh, because the more you practice in times that are kind of low stakes, the more likely you're able to utilize the tool, even if it's imperfect, in situations where you might feel a bit frozen. So I think that's important to, to recognize. Um, in terms of teaching social justice, I think uh, you know, I do a lot of workshops on for faculty on teaching topics of identity and diversity. Um, and having difficult dialogues. And uh, I think what's really important is scaffolding the learning. We know that uh, 
topics related to social justice can cause fragility, can cause resistance. And if uh, we start off day one um, going full force, there we're going to lose some students either because they drop or if they can, or because they will shut down because they feel like they're not being invited into the conversation. And so I think um, that is really important and also to find a lot of uh, opportunities for students to reflect and their thoughts and not always in a public space. So they're writing about it, they're posting about it, they're, um, you know, you're checking in with them, you're utilizing classroom assessment techniques to get a sense of where people are and how they're responding so that you're not, you know, that you're not having too much resistance that's being built up that's silent. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate your taking the time to uh, join us on the podcast and to give us such great gems. Uh, we may be coming back to you for a part two because I think there's so much here that we can easily do much, much more. So thank great. you very much and really appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you today. Great. Well, thank you for giving me your time. Okay, Tasha. Take care. Okay.